Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the original thinking and creative innovation podcast. Morning everyone. I hope you're all good. I hope you are looking forward to a big episode today with Stanley Chow. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, thanks to last week's guest, Kerry Hyman for taking the time to talk about a big win for the Blue Peter Book Awards. What a fantastic book Survivors is, written by David Long, illustrated by Kerry Heinemann. It's a stunning graphic illustration storybook of human endurance and near-death experiences, and it's aimed at the younger teenage end of the market, I believe. I might be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But great insights from Kerry Heinemann. Fantastic episode. Great feedback. Really good to always hear the story behind successful projects, which it's going to be a big one on that front today with Stan Chow, arguably one of the biggest names in the game right now. Maybe not even arguably, he just is. He's Stan Chow, for crying out loud. The weather is projects that need to go on your website but sit there for far too long because you're too busy. (laughs) Yes, that's what I need to do at the minute, update my website. I'm staring at a size 11 pair of pretty mean-looking Dr. Martin's red oxblood boots at the minute because I'm doing a little collaboration with Dr. Martin's, which is pretty awesome, actually, because the story goes, I saw the artwork from the inlay to Blur's Modern Life is Rubbish album, and it sports a lovely painting of the band sat on a train. Uh, Bear in mind the album came out in 1993. So we are talking about the late 80s, we're talking about smart blazers and Doc Martin's boots and all that caper going on, and Damon was spotting a ridiculously long pair of them. And from that moment on, I thought they were cool, and I never owned a pair, never did go and get them. I always thought I'd look like a bit of a knob wearing them. <laughs> and I still think I might, to be honest, especially with with what I've been doing on them. So go and check out my social media channels and you'll see what I've done, really. It's quite punk, there's a weird clown on there, there's some nice lettering, there's some spray paint going on it's been a hugely fun project but i've gone too far with them and i'm not quite sure whether i can get away with wearing them but we'll see who knows uh we'll find out soon anyway sorry for the tangent um thanks to the sponsors illustrationweb.com founding sponsor representing over 200 artists worldwide got people in guatemala got muxi in guatemala going on we've got people in north america We've got people going on in Asia. It's a truly global agency and reflects the nature of the business these days, which is a beautiful thing, and I hope it's going to have a part to play in the rising nastiness that's going on in politics. Just my personal thoughts on it, but there you go, illustrationweb.com. Go and check out the glorious range of things they're doing in terms of the news on the cool projects. They've got animators, set designers, fashion illustrators, all sorts going on. Great agency, giving us great support here on the show. Heartinternet.co.uk giving us a little tip every week in the digital and SEO and social media sector because that's what they do. They look after your Google rankings, they do hosting, they do um, domain names, all the things you need to do, which, as we know, as creatives, are not stuff we really want to spend time on, but it is stuff that we do need to do. And we have going on in our day-to-day careers in increasing amounts now. We all have to look after our social channels, especially doing this show. I have to look after the Ben Talon Illustration channel and also... Accounts for arrest or mimics, and I have to admit, there are days when I uh, think, God, I just want to draw, I want to sit down and get messy with my paints, don't want to be doing social media, but we kind of have to now. Um, so, Stan Chow, 
he tells a great story a little later on about working with the White Stripes and how that came about and it's got great social media connotations. Um, but I thought the more relevant tip would be that Stan and I went to the pub. Uh, we recorded this episode in his hotel room in Shoreditch when he was down to do a talk for Yo Illo. And he told me actually that um, whenever something goes on socially, he, he pounces on the moment, you know, and he does a portrait as a benefit of working quite quick but he's got a great ability for capturing a likeness, so as you'll know, he's a bit of a portrait specialist. And Stan told me that, you know, when there's a social event, there's a cultural event, he he jumps on the moment and he cashes in on the conversation and gets it out there because it's in demand and people are talking about it, so people want to want to own a piece of it. So I looked at his Instagram this morning before I uh, started to record this podcast and we're right off the back of the Oscars. And he posted a portrait from Moonlight. Uh, and it's it's just dead simple. He, he loves creating them. He chooses things based on what's going on socially. So that's my tip today. Have a look around what's going on. What can you get on the back of that will work for you? Um, what can you? What conversation can you join? Basically, we have all the channels to do it and share it now. So think smartly about doing that. And that's courtesy of HatInternet.co.uk. Printed.com. Last but very not least. My living room is caked at the moment in prints because my girlfriend, uh, Laura, of, of Little Birds Talk, is doing this beautiful um, greetings card range that are about to be published, so got news on that coming soon. Um, and they're awesome, but they're all over the living room at the minute, and she's really happy with the quality of them, and she's working with Printed.com, um, and it was, in fact, Laura who recommended that I should use them for my uh, podcast promo and my own workbook which I do, and I've been equally happy. And Stan Chow actually told me that he makes roughly a third of his income from his prints. Uh, like I say, he does portraits, he does recognised people, popular people, more importantly, things that he's got an interest in, and I think it resonates with his audience. And you can see, go and check out his print shop on his website. It's really, really amazing. It just goes to show people do want these things. They want to own them, they want to see them, but they also, just as importantly, want to feel them and be able to put them on their wall or their bookshelf or whatever it is or their studio. Um, so keep that in mind. The wonderfulprinted.com, they do over 90 different products. They do art prints, they do um, large-scale stuff. They're a very, very cool print, a great customer service, so go and have a look. So thanks to those guys. On to my guest, Stanley Chow. Blew up for Stan quite some time ago, um, and he'll tell us the story of how that happened. But there's a beautiful story about his origins and how he grew up um, in, living in a chip, chip shop where his, parent, his parents owned. Um, he would draw with a biro on chip paper. He'll tell us all about that. He'll tell us about why and how that led to where he is now, creating wonderful and iconic digital illustration prints that you will have seen in The New Yorker. Um, to be honest, it's probably better to list where they haven't been seen than where they have because he's that popular. He's gone viral. It's easy to see why. He did a talk last week for Yoilo, and if you don't know about Yoilo and you're an illustrator, you really should. Um, they're a great little group who do a monthly social meetup where we all come together and have beers and share business cards and just chat about all things creative, really. It's a great way to get us uh, little owners, as illustrators, out of our apartments and studios and get talking. But they put on a brilliant quarterly talk... Um, and Stan was on with Jenny Sparks and the whole theme was going viral. And it was very, very interesting to hear Stan's story about how his work blew up and how, how that came about. So he's going to tell us that whole story. He's going to tell us about how football and Manchester United uh, has played a major part of, of inspiring him. He's going to talk about um, his work and how he's had to battle 
being one of the most ripped-off styles on the planet. So we've touched upon this before with a few people, and, and when a person becomes so popular, for some reason and people seem to feel like they can just mug that off and parody it to high heaven. So he's going to talk about how he's dealt about that. And one story that he never told on the podcast, and he only shared with me um, later on in the pub, and I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story because I'm going to do it anyway because it's bloody funny. He did a David Beckham portrait, and he got a call from um, his agent a little while down the line. He said, look, Dan, you're not going to believe this, but we need to sort it out. Um, and he showed me the image in the pub, and someone who's manufactured sex toys in Europe, I forget where he said it was, has ripped off his David Beckham portrait and applied it to um, a dildo. Yeah, and... They actually manufactured the thing, so him and his agent had to issue a cease and desist order and, you know, look at taking them to court and the rest of it. But it's the, I think it's the single funniest story I've heard of someone's work being mugged off. <laughs> but the underlying story is they have, a, they have trouble keeping an eye on it and seeing where it's been uh, mugged. But as Stan will talk about, there's a bigger picture and he'll talk in depth about why you shouldn't do it and what he actually wants to see if you are going to rip somebody off. So it's quite interesting and it's a deep conversation with one of the biggest names in the illustration industry. So I really hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Thanks so much to Stan Chow for taking the time to meet me in Shoreditch before his talk and let me into his hotel room and we ended up going out and watching the Man United game and having a few beers and his talk was brilliant for Yoelo. So... It's a great one. It's a great one. So thanks again to the sponsors. Thanks for checking in. Sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, printing.com. Hit us up on the Twitter. I want to hear your thoughts. Tell us about Kerry Hyman, what you thought about that show, or the mental health two-part special that ran before. And tell us, of course, about Stan Chow. Why do you love him? Maybe you don't like it. Why is that? Tell us what you think of the show, about his stories, about plagiarism, about copyright. Any of your own stories to that end would be very, very welcome too. We'd like to get that conversation going about why it's bad to work for free and why you shouldn't mimic others. So the AOI, a great little organisation, uh, do a lot of work to that end to do with copyright, to do with plagiarism, pricing your work, licensing. We know it's a whole minefield and it's one of the most common questions I've ever been asked at talks. And certainly Stan got some questions at Yoelo to that end. So... Go and join up with them now because it's very affordable and it's very, very important support. And you might feel like it's never going to happen, but that one time you need to price a job differently or you're not quite sure where to start, they are the guys to go and have a look. And they have loads of awesome information on the back end of their website to that end. So here we go. Stan Chow. I meet him at the Ace Hotel in Shoreditch and he's going to tell us his story. Enjoy. So what's your background, Stan? I read a little interesting thing about the... Um the chip shop and the, the takeaway exhibition was really. I found that a really right. nice story. What's well, the... well, you know, I always, I always drew for as long as I can remember. You know, and like it all started off basically as if I can remember that far back or try to remember was when we had a, we had a chippy, and when I was a kid, they couldn't leave me upstairs on my own, so I'd be, I was sat on the back, you know, and my, and my only form of entertainment would be like chip paper and a pen. <laughs> go, you know, go kill a few hours. You yeah. know, so I'll be just drawing, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Really, you mean it, and it for for ten years. You mean know, yeah. it? I mean, like for as long as you know, like, like for most of my life, um, you know, we always lived in a chippy. You mean know, and like, and we lived upstairs, and I, and then, and I'll just hang out in the back room basically, and it would be me. And chip paper and and a pen and that was all all I did. You know what I mean? What sort of stuff would you be drawing? 
I mean, like, like when I was younger, I'm, I'm pretty much sure I was just drawing animals, cats and fish and stuff like that. But then yeah. I, I do remember when I was kind of reached about maybe 10 or 11, I was I was drawing my, my like football comic strips. You know, I've been inventing like like my own football team, doing characters and drawing, you know, plays doing overhead kicks and stuff like that. You yeah. know, that's pretty much all I drew really, you know. Did you ever used to design alternate kits? I used to do that as a kid. Actually, really, that wasn't something I did as much. Really, I was more into the, just the team itself. You mean and and the characters in the team. You mean yeah. I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll have players with skinheads and players with long hair. You mean <laughs> and then like short players, tall players. You mean it was always more more the players than it was actually the kits though at the yeah. time. So was it, was it just as simple as that? A boredom thing? Did you have creativity in the family? Or well, as far as I know, no, but. Well, my dad, my dad kind of trained as a as a as a tailor. That was that was you know that was about as creative as it got really. Mm. But but my, one of my cousins in Hong Kong though, it, it, the creativity probably stemmed back further down down the line because one of my cousins in Hong Kong, he's a he owns his own comic business basically. That's cool. And um, well, he started out he started out drawing like um, you know Chinese manga comics and then ended up owning his own comic business. And um, so so there is. There is a lineage somewhere, but we don't know where it actually began, really. I mean, you know, yeah. and it kind of just forked off. Yeah. You know. It's interesting how it manifests, isn't it? Yeah, because some people are like, yeah, very much so, bohemian parents and all yeah. that. But then I like kind of stories like that where it's just sprung out of something yeah. as simple as that, as having yeah. it was killing time and chip paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. And now we find in Manchester now because you've, you've been based there all your life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No, Manchester's great. You know, it's, at the moment, it's, it's like, it's like, it looks like it's the fastest growing city in the world at the moment. It's like, you, you don't recognise it. Every time I go into town, it looks, there's a new building there, you know what I mean? It mm. is. And it's, um, it's, at the moment, it's just a, a massive melting pot and it's great, you know what I mean? Good creative scene. No, the creative scene now was, is, is massive, it seems, you know what I mean? When I started like, hanging out in town, it actually felt like I was the only illustrator in town, you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, like, I, I used to hang out, hang out in old... In Oldham Street, um, well, it is Oldham Street, but um, it's the Northern Quarter. Before it was called the Northern Quarter, and um, used to hang out with other DJs and and stuff and and musicians. And basically, of all that all that lot that I knew, I was the only illustrator basically. And there weren't many; there didn't seem to be that many around, you know. But now, but then this one bar opened called called Common, and then it kind of like a whole bunch of like creative designers and illustrators just flocked around it, and then. That just grew and grew and grew, and it became the Northern Quarter, really. Yeah, I was starting yeah. to know Common, yeah, and I come quite well. Yeah. I didn't know it started, I didn't know that was a bit of a creative hub, though. Yeah, that was the first creative hub, really, because like, cause they asked um, uh, artists to kind of paint their shutters and paint inside and stuff, you know, and then, yeah. and then it just attracted more illustrators and designers, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like to the area more than anything else. That's cool. Yeah, but it is. It's, 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 there's some great murals actually. Yeah. Actually, was what was the recent thing? There was a there was a bit of there was a lot of new murals went up recently. Part of the street art festival there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Really strong stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They asked me to do some stuff, but I was too busy. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you do large scale stuff? Well, no, I don't do large scale stuff. But like, um, but, but I, I would, I, you know, if I, if I agreed to, I would have kind of like thought of something up and just got a few little. Mm. Minions and to yeah. help me to help me out. You mean? Know? Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. I did one recently where we had a, they got a cherry picker and it was in Markham yeah. and did a whole side of the building. Right, there. Yeah. It was, I just created it as I normally do for right, yeah. uh, A three or whatever it was. Right, I don't yeah. know, but it's good. Good to know that's a possibility. Yeah. 
Because you used to DJ yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I spent most of my, like, the first 10 years of my illustration career was was coupled with DJing, basically, you know, and uh, and basically DJing was, was what made my illustration career exist, really, you know, I'll... Mm-hmm. I'll I'll DJ at night and then in in the in the daytime I'll just sit in my bedroom and just draw basically and just trying to create a portfolio. Yeah. And that was that was my life for like ten years really, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a it was fun days really. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I enjoy those days. <laughs> I kind of missed I missed the DJ. I missed the DJ in clubs. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. Yeah, that's that something I really enjoyed a lot. You know. Did that help in terms of contacts when you did get started? Well, yeah, I think it did because because um, you know because I was hanging out in in clubs and bars and. And eventually, I'll 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 designing flyers for loads of different club nights, and I'll be designing um, uh, like posters for bands and stuff. You know, I mean? and I'll I'll do the odd odd rec- uh, record sleeve and stuff like that. You know, I mean? just for like the local bands in the area. So yeah, in, in that sense, I, I did make a, a few contacts there. Really, yeah. Yeah. Do you get some of the gigs now? Not as much as I used to. You know, because because I'd say you know. You know, having kids and stuff, it, it makes things a lot harder. But um, but back in the day, it was like every night I was at a, a venue, kind of, mm. kind of um, watching a band play. I saw your stuff actually in um, Night and Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Like, uh, my brother's best mate, Kaz, is the booker there. Oh, is he? Oh, right, okay, nice one, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's a big United fan, so right, I, don't, yeah. I, don't know if he, I don't know if he's been behind getting your stuff in there. Being no, 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 my stuff got in there. Like, I think it's probably two bookers before him, actually, but... But the thing was, is like I know I know the owner of Night and Day, Jan, really well, and um, and um, but Night and Day was the place I, I hung out basically. Night and Day was where I DJ. Night and Day was oh, really? yeah. was where I met met all my mates basically. You know, it was you know back in the well, when I was in my early twenties. You know, I'd, yeah. we'd be drinking there until closing time. Yeah. Then we'll stay in for the lock in. Yeah. And then shuttles up and then we'll go to the, the the breakfast place around the corner. You mean you know, yeah. that's pretty much what what it was like like two or three times times a week. You know. Yeah. It was pretty. It's a great facilitator, isn't it, for creativity? I mean, yeah. I, I did a similar thing. I, I got into my old flatmate and I put on open mic nights and, and we met bands and I, I just wanted to do the sleeves yeah. and, and that was my way of doing it. And in a town like Manchester, you could do it because you had that absolutely that yeah. hub. Yeah. I think that's one thing you benefit when you're not in a city like London, isn't it? Like the yeah. way you can um, you meet more people face to face and it yeah. is a bit of a, a bit more of a nucleus. Well, yeah, I can't really speak for living in London. I never really like lived it, but I feel, I feel in Manchester it is like um, the networking was was made a lot easier because one, all the creative people just hung out in the same place basically. You know, where mm. in London it's you know you can be you can be it's all over all over yeah. the city basically. But in Manchester it was it was literally the night and day and dry bar, which was which was like essentially the the start of the Northern Quarter basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All sprung from there. <laughs> so, what was? Did you study? Did I study? Yeah, I studied. Um, I studied in Manchester. I did a foundation in Manchester. Then, I ended up. I ended up in Swindon of all places. You mean I, I applied for like Liverpool, Leeds, and and Kingston. Didn't get into any of them. So, so through clearing, I ended up in Swindon. I, basically, I went. I mean, I, I could have gone to Stockport or Derby, basically. But, but the thing was like. When I was younger, I thought like like London is the place you need to be really. So Swindon was the closest place I could I could get to London, mm. and um, so, so I went there. And the thing about Swindon was, even though it's closest to London than it is any any other places, it was forty it's still forty quid to get into bloody London. You mean know? I'm like yeah yeah. Sod that. You mean know? it's like I just had to like set out these two years, do it all, and then 
moved yeah. back up to Manchester. You know what I mean, but luckily, like when I was in Swindon, we, we I also did, was part of an exchange which where studying Leon as well, which was great. You know, I, I kind of learnt more in Leon mm. in those few months than I did in yeah. Swindon, really. What did you study? Oh, illustration. Was that the right move? I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously now you're doing brilliantly, but did did it feel like the the right degree for you to do? Um, oh yeah, t- totally. Yeah, I think it was. But um, but I, I, you know, I I did spend most of my time not doing anything, just getting stoned, <laughs> watching watching videos was pretty much what I did most. Like you know, but but you know, I mean, like I, you know, I, I always felt education. You need that certain education just to kind of prepare prepare you for the like like for, for real life basically you know because because yeah. you know I wasn't going to do anything else you know I was always going to be an illustrator yeah. so so whatever you know education I can I could get out of it then I, I suppose it was beneficial. But as we as we probably both agreed, uh, <coughs> there's much more to it than learning the meat and bones of illustration. Isn't oh it? no, absolutely. It's about yeah. broadening your horizons, taking yeah. new new senses and all that yeah. stuff, and meeting characters. And it's yeah. uh, even just on the way up here, we discussed a number of characters that we both yeah. know, and it's um, that's what's glorious about it. And I think that's what brings the best ideas about. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So so what was so when did the drawing stop and when did the digital stuff start? It's it stops when my dad bought me a computer. Yeah. Like I was, I was painting. I was a bit of a luddite, like um, until like the late nineties, early two thousands, and um, and I was painting. And I mean, my illustration career was, you know, it was it was all right, but um, but my dad said, look, get, you know, get get with the times, you know, here's a computer. And I'm like, oh, I don't want a computer, <laughs> you know, I just want to paint, you know. So, but you know, he bought me a computer. He bought me, you know, a Mac. One of the the, the iMacs. So, so when I got the iMac, it, it was a case of um, of of you know learning how to use Photoshop. So, so what essentially what I did was is that I'd do I'd do a rough painting, scan it in, scan it into into the Mac, and then mess around with it on Photoshop. But but also around about that time, I also had a vision of what I wanted to 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 illustrate, and I knew I couldn't illustrate those things with a with paint or 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 any other kind of medium really, but like, um, and the only w- and I was told, you know, I looked at some artwork and my friend said, oh yeah, that's done on Illustrator. I said, Illustrator, whoa, okay, got a dodgy copy of Illustrator and um, and basically learnt on it. You know, I just kind of, I just, I'll, I'll just practice doing stuff until three in the morning every day, just yeah. trying to work out how to do certain things, and then, and then I, lit- I literally just not even use the uh, a pen to to sketch with now, and everything I do now is just yeah. directly into Illustrator now. You know what I mean? It's just from yeah. right. I need. I'm, I've basically reached my kind of my vision, and 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 I did it with Illustrator, and um, I don't need a pen anymore. And that's how kind of that's how it, it switched from being a painter to to working yeah. digitally. That's fascinating stuff. Can you trace that vision back to anything? Was there a conscious moment, or was it? Do you think it's just sort of an amalgamation of Things you I don't know what where did that come from that vision? Well, well, I felt well was like when we're painting, it just didn't look professional enough. I was I was a messy painter, you see, mm. and I and but I wanted and I, and I, and I used to spend too many hours making my stuff look neat, yeah. you know. And um, but with Illustrator, it's kind of everything's neat and tidy anyway. You mean it's just 
you make, you make these. I mean, I, I love doing big swirly, swirly curves and and like trying to draw a nice crisp curve is is next to impossible. But when on Illustrator, it's just like one point to the other, and that, that's the curve I want. I mean, like there's no other way I could have done it other than yeah. using Illustrator basically. So you were already kind of driving in that direction before you'd even touched. Computer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I was doing this a very similar thing and a really archaically before yeah. I found Photoshop. Not to go off down a tangent there, but it, I think it's if it's ingrained in there, it's right for yeah. you. It's you you find the way as long as you keep driving towards it. Absolutely, in yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. And and what about because you're there's a real I can't I don't know wouldn't know where to start in describing the way your portraits look, but yeah. they're so recognisable and so characteristic to you. What was the I mean how did that come about? Do you do you know? Well, well, one thing I knew I was good at was was capturing likenesses. I mean, I was I was I was capturing likenesses and doing portraits and caricatures since since I was like back in the day when I was like drawing football characters. You mean I I could I could I just had this knack for being able to hmm. get a likeness, you know. But then when it came to like um, the style I have now, it, it was it was a bit of like a trial and error really. But um, I just wanted to be able to. To, to to capture a face as simply as possible, you know what I mean, with as little lines as possible, and 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 keep it as geometric as possible. There was no kind of there's no kind of um, reason why it it just kind of it just felt in my head. It was just like that is the way forward. Like that that's the way you know because no one else was doing it. You know, there's plenty of people painting portraits and caricatures and drawing them, but there's no one at the time. Making kind of consistently, you know, doing uh, digital vector um, portraits of people, and and I, I guess I kind of took advantage of the fact that no one else was doing it, and just kind of kept mm. pushing at it, basically. Yeah, when you find a niche in this game, yeah, go hard at it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like I guess there are obviously some people that, that did a few faces. But like, but they'll be doing other stuff as well. You see, you mean? Know, yeah. I just felt right. No, I'm going to just concentrate on this. You mean? Know, There's something know. nice about just knowing exactly yeah. what it is and, and yeah. keeping it that simple. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what was there? Was there a sort of moment when you when? Am I right in thinking? I'm sure I saw somewhere that you got some resistance. Was it from an agent uh, about doing portraits? Well, well, yeah. It was. It, it, it was my agent. He said, you know, we're not. We're going to get you editorial work if you did if if you did portraits. Really, you mean? Know, and. And ultimately, as an agency, we we, we want to look beyond just editorial. You mean? Know? Mm. And I was just thinking, well, you know, I'm going to do it because it's, it's what I enjoy doing, and I'm, and I know it's good. And um, but yeah, you know, that was the um, and but yeah, I just I just kept kept doing it, and and I guess as my portfolio grew bigger, it just be you know, I think. That, other people found more opportunities in using my work, basically, you know. Mm. And I think the real turning point was when, was when the White Stripes um, approached me, and that was kind of, and that was kind of like, right, I'm doing the right thing here, you know. Yeah. And the, the job I did for the White Stripes ended up like being nominated for a Grammy Award, and that was like, I've definitely done the right thing here, you know. Yeah. So it's a case of just kind of keep. And that job came about from something you self-initiated, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll just you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about it in this talk that I'm doing later on tonight. But like, um, but yeah, I just did a. I, I mean, like there was a time, you know, I want I wanted to do posters as well, and um, posters with people's faces on. You mean know, that was what I wanted to essentially do? 
So so just did a. But at that time, I was already doing. As I said before, I was doing posters for for, for bands already. But but like I, I needed to up my game basically. So I just kind of did a. The white stripes were playing in town, so I thought I'll just do a a bootleg white stripes poster just for me for a bit of fun mm. and put it on MySpace basically. And, it, and that just kind of like. You know, it just kind of went. Mental, you mean? Yeah. that you mean? It somehow ended on gigposters.com. Then I got a phone, and then, and then I got a phone call off the management saying, "Look, we've seen your, yeah. you know, this poster on gigposters. Um, uh, we'd like to work with you." Yeah, and that was that, really. You mean? The amount of stories I've heard from people who've done something just because they wanted to, or for the love of it, and, yeah. and it's gone nuclear in, in different yeah. forms. It, it just constantly reminds me that it's important to. Um, to keep doing your own stuff just yeah. because you want to and because yeah, you absolutely, love it. Yeah. And, uh, do you find a lot of time now for personal work still? Oh, you know, that, I think that's, that's the thing that keeps me sane, really. I mean, you know, I, I get, you know, I'm, I'm pretty busy at the moment, and but, like, if like in between kind of, like, waiting for, like, feedback on a job, I'll just work on something else, you know, yeah. and, like, or every now and again, I'll just find a, an afternoon or a day just to kind of, just, that's, I, need to, I need to work on this, mm. you know. Just, yeah, just to say, just to keep you sane, because sometimes... You know, as a as a professional illustrator, you get you get commissions which are just so boring, and you just yeah. kind of like, I, I wish I hadn't even said yes to this. And you, but you, you know, you, you got to do it for the money, really. You know, it's, yeah. it's the job. You know, you know. So you got you know. So every now and again, you just got to do fun things in between, really. If what there's someone in demand? Do you do you do you have to be quite selective about what you take on these days? Yeah, I, I am now. Yeah, like um, like back in the day, I'll say yes to anything because yeah, because um, that was. You know, that's what we told at college. Really, you have got to say yes to everything because otherwise, you know, well, essentially, you say yes to everything because it could lead on to something else. Really, yeah, you know, yeah. that's 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 what you're led to believe in. That led to believe, uh, but now it's kind of like, well, I've established myself now. I kind of don't have to take on this job. You mean, yeah. and it's like, you know, obviously, you 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 find out who who the client are, what the job's for, where it is, and then you kind of make a judgment. You know, obviously, money plays a big part. If if they if they're going to throw yeah. throw a lot of money at you, you just do it. You know, yeah, you know. yeah. But I mean, just from personal experience, the amount of time I've, I've turned something down and felt like the bad guy for doing it, but yeah. then two days later, something's coming and I thought, yeah. that's why I turned yeah. it down. That's much. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's a difficult yeah. thing to call. Yeah, isn't totally. It? Yeah, I still feel guilty. Like even jobs I don't want to do, when I say no to. I still feel guilty. <laughs> Me too. I mean, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's haunted by by my rejections. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because they might never come back with a better job. That's the, that's what it is. You mean? Know, yeah. You know. <laughs> do you um, do you get to do you visit Hong Kong much? Have you still got family? Uh, I've got family over there, but I'm not I'm not been back to Hong Kong for like for like twenty odd years now. You know what I mean? It's just it's never mm. it's never really um, occurred to me to go back to Hong Kong. I just kind of don't know. Admittedly, the last time I went to Hong Kong, I didn't really enjoy it. It's just so busy. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's one of the reasons why I'm not moved to London because it's so bloody busy. You know, yeah. it's like you can't move for anything. You mean know, in Hong Kong? And I just kind of didn't like that. I like the, uh, and it's everything's at such a fast pace. I can't deal with that. I like the reason why I love Manchester so much is like I can literally, I can actually find a few hours just to put my feet up and just kind of yeah and chill out. Really, you mean? Know? Mm. Yeah, it's got certainly got its benefits. Yeah, I love Manchester. And while speaking of you're a big Man United fan, right? Yeah. And has that has that played a big part of influence in in your? Just create inspiration. Uh, oh yeah, of course. You know what I mean. It's like you know, like you know. I, I mean, I've illustrated loads of footballers, and and obviously the footballers I tend to illustrate are you know, like, like for myself, really. You I mean like for for some self satisfaction, I'll be illustrating mainly 
United players, you know. Yeah. And um, I saw a Cantona one. Uh, oh yeah, recently that was really nice. Oh yeah, the Cantona one. That, that's a good one. This it's been it's been turned into a billboard, and so that's quite good. And that's kind of stemmed. That's 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 kind of a kicked off. Uh, a new project, basically. You mean? It, yeah. In fact, this project was actually kind of. I started this project purely because it was something for me to talk about for this talk that I'm doing tonight. You mean? Yeah. About trying to, you know, create, uh, trying to make something go viral. Yeah. And I thought I just I just do this little project, see if it goes viral, and um, if it doesn't, I can still talk about it failing. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. Win win. Yeah. I went to a, I went to a Halloween party two or three years ago. <clears throat> As Eric Cantona. Oh, wow. Because the theme was childhood fears. Right. And after we left Leeds, who I support, yeah. he scared the shit out of me because we went through a bit of a week, couple of seasons, and he destroyed us on two occasions. Oh, yeah. uh, and he really did put the fear of God into me. He did. <laughs> he was, he was a, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to watch him play a few times, you know. He's a. Yeah, he's one a, of a kind. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you, um, you illustrated a poem, is that right? By, was it Tony Longfellow? Oh, yeah, yeah, Tony Longfellow Walsh, yeah. So, he's a um, Ferguson tribute. Yeah, well, well, well. Tony was actually um, commissioned by Trafford Borough uh, to write a poem for the for the opening of this new road called Sir Alex Ferguson Way. So he wrote a poem for it, and then Tony also wanted to he, he wanted to basically kind of like monetize this poem, basically, you know. So he felt like he could you can't just sell a poem. Mm. He wanted something to kind of he wanted me an, an illustration to go with it, basically. So I did an illustration of um, Alex Ferguson. Next, and it's like next to the poem basically on, on the poster so people could could buy it basically and also have a picture of Alex Ferguson and we also made a nice little video as well actually which was kind of quite cool very cool yeah. is that kind of bucket list stuff for you um, well actually th- th- that job wasn't a bucket list job so to speak but but actually meeting Fergie at, like um, as, as doing it was like a bucket list thing you mean uh, yeah. meeting a great man was kind of like whoa it's like I'm sat at a table with eight people and I'm with Alex Ferguson wow. you know, on his yeah. birthday and I was like this is like pinch me <laughs> pinch me you know, you know? and, he's, and he's, such a, he's such a gentleman he really was you know yeah he, um, but yeah but he's a proper uh, he properly owned the table you know, you know? He, he was like you know when when I, anyone else talked to everyone would be like but when he talked to everyone everyone shut up I should hope so I mean as a kid I hated the guy. He went <laughs> my life for, for footballing reasons, but now I've got nothing but admiration yeah. for the fellow. Because I read his book recently, and you have to just take your hat off, don't you, to yeah. uh, to what he's to what he's achieved. But absolutely talking larger than life characters. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and what um, what was the stuff with Lego? Oh yeah, that was um, yeah. Well, they they just well they sent me an email, and I thought it was a, a spam email basically at first. Just like it was like we would like you to. Uh, do a, a talk at, at, like to our designers in at Lego I says hang on I'm reading it again <laughs> you would like me to do a talk at, at, at Lego at, you know in your headquarters in, in Denmark like to your designers it's like this is ridiculous I mean why do you need why on earth would you need me you know but they said you know we, we, we see what you do and like um and yeah, I think I think what you specialise in is good to, to be able to teach, you know, some of our designers. Mm. And it, yeah, it was it was a learning experience for me, and I, and I felt like they, they, you know, the designers got a lot a lot out of it as well. You I mean I'll be basically I'll be in the room of thirty designers, and I'll be on the end of the table, 
doing a talk and I was like, you know, at, at the start, you know, you you know, you know, could see some of them weren't, weren't asked, you know, you know, but by the end of the talk, uh, but also I did a whole week of um, workshops as well, mm. but by the end of the week, they were like all engaged and they're all kind of, you know, the, you know, I definitely felt the feedback I got from them was, was good, you know, you know, they all felt they'd learned something, you know, mm. and I felt I taught, you know, I actually felt I did teach a few of the artists something, you know, because the thing about Lego is, it's so simple, yeah. but like a lot of their designers didn't work in that simple way, and they didn't know how to, you know, and I was, and I was, and I was trying to retrain some of the artists in kind of doing, approaching things differently, and mm. I think some of them got a lot out of it. It's a superb showcase of how uh, interdisciplinary things can be. I mean, yeah. you know, you wouldn't think, would you, an illustrator going into, like you said about your own yeah. enterprise and getting yeah. approached, going into an environment like Lego, yeah. somebody who's so renowned for their creativity, yeah. and be able to do that. But what yeah. a brilliant, what a great thing! No, absolutely, yeah. And and the other thing that jumped out and made me laugh was the New York Times magazine, the Donald Trump. Balloon. Oh yeah. Tell us about that project. What was what was going on there? It's, well, you know, I think I, you know, in, well. I, I pretty much established myself as quite a well-known illustrator of faces in, in New York. You know, uh, there'll be times I'm, you know, I'm in like three or four magazines, and it's on the same week. You know, I'll be in, I'll be in Time, New Yorker, Wall Street Journal, Village Voice, all in the same week, which which must piss a lot of New Yorkers off, you know, or New York illustrators <laughs> off. Anyway, you know, but uh, but anyway, I, I got a phone call. I was, you know, two in the morning. Got a phone call. Um, we have a plan. To do a Donald Trump cover, are you interested? Uh, yeah, you mean know, in the cover of the New York Times magazine? I'm in. You mean know, tell me what I have to do. <laughs> so it, it was. It was basically I had to draw. You know, what well, the idea was was to was to put an illustration on a balloon of Donald Trump's face on a balloon, and then have that balloon photograph basically. So what we did was. You know, so I did a portrait of Donald Trump's face, and the looks I looked for, mm, not quite right. Okay, we'll, what we'll do is like draw twenty different Donald Trump, port, you know, faces of different different sizes. Because because basically what they had to do was they had to print it onto the balloon, and as the balloon kind of like bent bent round, he still had to kind of keep his ears and hair and stuff. You know, mm. and um, so so what they did was we did. I did twenty different portraits. Then turned them all into balloons. Picked the best one, basically. And what sort of size balloons are we talking? Normal kind of inflatable, um, you know, those silver, yeah, helium-filled balloons, basically. You know, yeah. So and, and, was, and a picture was taken of it, and then it was slapped on the front cover. And when was this? What are we talking recently? This is October, twenty fifteen now, and um, that's in the lead up to the sort of yeah, in the lead up, basically before he he was even elected a um, Republican candidate. You know, yeah. And, um, and yeah, I was I was I was pleased to do it because I was taking the piss out of him. Yeah, you know, at the time, and it was like this is this is a great job, and he's going to look a dick, and brilliant, <laughs> you know. Lo and behold, he becomes the fucking <laughs> president. You know, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I'm only laughing because I cry if I don't. No, but the thing was no, but but even at that time, he was such a narcissist. Then it's like he was he um, in interviews prior to that to that being um, on the cover. He talks about it in the Washington Post by, you know, can't believe they use that as a cover in the Washington Post. And then in an interview in GQ, I only spotted this interview in GQ because, weirdly enough, somebody did the Wikipedia page on me. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
and then like um they also kind of like um they also kind of linked linked it to this GQ interview, and he said it was like oh this is this this the the, the balloon is bloody ridiculous you know. <laughs> So it was like, so yeah, so I was like, yes, that's a result. I've, I've, I've How many of us can say on our CV that we've been slandered by Donald Trump? Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. You know, but now I fear for my life when I travel into New York. Now you know he's he's you know because you know he's he's, he's got his people watching me now. Oh yeah. god, yeah, it's, it's uh, scary stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on? What's coming up? Anything exciting? Um, at the moment, I can't actually think now. I, I get asked this question all the time, but like, what are you doing now? I says, I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on something. Oh yeah, um, I'm I'm working on. Oh yeah, there's a guy called Scott Dalich. He used to be. Um, he just produced the um, abstract Netflix uh, TV series, which is mm. about design, and um, and he's just started a new uh, agency, creative agency. And I'm doing some work with him. Brilliant. So that's pretty much. I'm gonna leave it as that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Nice. And you still enjoy it all? Still, uh, still got the hunger? I think so. I think so. You know. Yeah. I mean, like, admittedly, there's now I've got kids and stuff. I kind of want to spend as much time with the kids as, as I can. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's just, it's just it is just basically trying to work it. You know, work out a balance, basically. You know. Yeah. I, I do tend to find because I am so busy. I do tend to find. Myself working quite late most days, and it's um, so it's, so I do have a strict regime now in terms of like it, it's it's to like ten till six. Yeah. And then weekends, it's like switch off. You know, can't yeah. even not even allowed to look at emails on the weekends. You mean yeah. so? Well, that's what I kind of force myself. Yeah. To do basically, you know, just so I can you know be a decent family man. You mean yeah. That's, I think that's as important as being a successful illustrator. Yeah, you know. I think so. I think it changes. Uh, I mean, just from speaking about close friends who've become dads who are yeah. in our industries, you know, they say it forces you to cut the bullshit and yeah. uh, to sort of really focus. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, well, the last bit, I always ask my guests this, it's a bit of uh-huh. an on-the-spot question I ask them for a love and a hate or a positive and a negative. It can be as playful or as serious as you want, uh, loosely yeah. within the creative industries. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Long pause now. Oh, don't worry. Really, we always yeah. I'll, I'll edit it if needs to be. <laughs> what, what do I love and hate about the creative industries? I mean, it, it can be, you know. like I say, it can be the, the most vague answer. It can be absolutely whatever you want it to be. It's, I've had some crazy answers, but uh, yeah. What I love and hate about creative industries. Well, actually, the thing that I probably hate the most is is when you have a an agency uh, <clears throat> a creative agency and they're, and they're asking uh, an illustrator for a quote you mean know, and basically it's like well, why don't you just tell me how much money you got you mean know, mm. it's like you know because you know like when they're asking me for a quote they're also asking other people for a quote and basically they're not going to go for the person they want they're going to go for the person who's who's the cheapest you see mm-hmm. you mean know, and it's like, well, that's that's kind of destroying creativity to a certain degree. And if you're just going for the cheapest option, and like, and now it's now when people ask me for quotes, I'm saying, well, I can't give you a quote. Just tell me how much money you got, and um, and I'll say yay or nay, basically. Mm. And, um, but, um, no, but I'm lucky that I'm in a position where I can actually like, like force their hands, as opposed to me having to kind of tell them this is how much it's going to cost, basically. Mm. And um, <clears throat> 
so that's that's the way I work now. But I, I don't like that they're not transparent anymore. You know what I mean? It's like you know, I wish there was more transparency in terms of these in, uh, creative agencies asking an artist to work for them, basically. Because yeah. you know, because you know that you know, because obviously the creative agency is working for another client who's got X amount of budget, and 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 you know that the creative agency want to take as much to that budget as possible yeah. before they pass it on to a freelance freelance illustrator, basically. That's the thing, you know? isn't it? Hang on, it shouldn't work like that, you know. If you want to get to, to a good creative, you have to be fair and transparent. Yeah. And everyone needs to. Yeah, I get people asking know. for a, a, a day rate. Yeah. I go, hang on a minute, we're talking about an advertising commission here. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work like that. Don't be yeah. cheeky bastard. I know. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> so it's um. So yeah, it's, it's the case, you know. And and I noticed that going on for like a few years to to a point where like, you know, you just tell me how much money you got. Mm. And then I'll um, and yeah. then I'll play ball basically, you know, yeah. or not. It's a good approach. I yeah. think that's good advice. So I think yeah, that's my I'm probably there's probably loads more, you know, but I can't <laughs> think of any off the top of my head. You mean uh, if you should have asked me that question like before we did the interview, <laughs> so I can actually think about something, you know. But no, but I, no, don't get me wrong. No, it's 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 so. For, but at the end day, it's going so good for me. I don't really have much to complain about, really. That's the, I think mm. that's the end all and be all of it. Did you say love as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do I love about the industry? <laughs> I love the fact that, like, I you know, I mean, like like this podcast called Arrest All Mimics, I, but I do love the fact that I have obviously kind of inspired some some, some other artists. You know I mean, there are plenty of artists who kind of copy my style and stuff. I don't see it as actually a bad thing. They're learning and they'll. But like, but what I also what, what it does me, it gives me an, an extra a buzz. It means that I have to work harder. It pushes me, you see. Mm. And I do kind of, and if I'm pushed, I kind of love being pushed. You know, it's like, it's like you know, I I need that kind of um, mm. that you know that impetus to to kind of like show show them up really. You know, but as well yeah. as showing them up, you know, you need to you know you need to learn a thing or two as well. You see, you know, that's yeah. my kind of um. Makes you stay one step ahead. Absolutely, you know, because you know, even though there are a lot of mimics, and most of them aren't as good as good as me. Some of them will become better. In fact, there's there's been a few mimics in the past who have actually kind of taken what I've done but moved it on into something even better. And they're people I, I admire, you know. You know, and um, I don't really kind of, you know, I'll I'll give them a little slap on the wrist, but hey, you copy me, eh? you know, whether it's via. Twitter or actually found their email and literally yeah. directly approached them say you know I appreciate you copying me but you know you've got to I appreciate you use, using me as an inspiration but you know you, you have to move this on you know otherwise you're just going to be stagnating yeah you know, that's the thing isn't it that's like, yeah. I, I've done that myself where I've yeah. had two other people and I feel like the bad guy but then I I always that's the thing that I flag up. I don't say look, you're taking money off me or anything like that. I just say we're in this to be a, to. Why are you yeah. not in this to be original to find yeah. you? Because that's the box. That's where exactly. the drama yeah. comes from. Knowing yeah. you've created something from nothing. Yeah. But there you go. I think it's something that, like you say, you've reached. A, you've been. You know, worked hard enough to reach a level where yeah. that's. Uh, it's the sort of backhanded compliment, isn't it? But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're not the only person who's, who's flagged that up. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, lastly, where can people check out your work? Uh, stanleychow.co.uk or just follow me on Instagram at stan underscore chow or Twitter at stan underscore chow. Too. Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Stan. No problem. It's Cheers. a pleasure.
Thanks so much to Stan for having me at his hotel room. Just another example of the weird and wonderful locations I do this show at. <laughs> we've got some wonderful guests coming up soon. I mentioned earlier we've got Sandra Dickman returning to the show. We've got Lucinda Rogers coming up, who's a fantastic reportage illustrator. We've got Smart Up Visuals, who do graphic scribing. It's quite different stuff. They work at big corporate events, at, uh, conferences and stuff. It's very exciting. It's very outside the box, and they're very, very clever ladies, and they're going to tell us their story too. We've got digital arts editor Neil Bennett coming up. We're talking diversity in design. We're talking about disabled first design. Um, and just where we find the industry now with tech and the explosion that we've got and, and how... Uh, illustration design and how people are staying ahead of the curve and doing exciting wonderful stuff so that's a good one too so thanks for neil for the time for that got so many good stuff coming up i'm really loving doing this stuff at the moment and i'm really loving your feedback so please get that over on the twitter at arrest or mimics and keep your own suggestions coming who do you want to hear from not many people tell me but I'd like to hear who you want to hear from or a topic you want to hear about. Somebody recently suggested in-house design as a, as a topic, so I'm currently looking into that. Uh, it's all good. It's all exciting stuff, and I hope that the archive is growing and you're finding it ever-inspiring because I am doing it. So thank you so much for listening as ever. Thank you to Stan Chow. Thank you to the sponsors, printed.com, heartinternet.co.uk, and founding sponsor, illustrationweb.com. And thanks again for the bonus and the wonderful support from the Association of Illustrators over at the AOI.com. See you next week, guys. Speak to you all soon. <laughs> <laughs>